0: We are going to be looking at 2 Timothy this morning, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and chapter 4, verse 3. I have done, I don't know if I have ever done this before, I might have, but my sermon tonight I'm giving to you now. I've decided to do that. And uh, so tonight if you come back, hopefully you'll come back, we'll continue on with our sermon series on the Lamb of God. And we'll be looking at Genesis 22, which is Abraham and Isaac, which is kind of an exciting story all in itself. So we'll look at that tonight. But this morning, modern man and spirituality, some interesting stuff as we think about the state of affairs in, in, uh, in our land and what is going on and, and different things like that. So let's stand together for God's Word. 2 Timothy 3, 1-5, and then we'll skip over to chapter 4 and verse 3. Paul is writing Timothy, the young pastor, and uh, here is what he says. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, "...without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them." Then in chapter 4 and verse 3, Paul continues and says to Timothy, "...for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine." Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. You may be seated. This will probably not be a sermon in which I go into a lot of detail of the Scripture passage, but the Scripture passage goes along with with what we would share today. There is a British company that uh, sells a product entitled Spray-On Mud. And uh, it is for Britishers uh, that have 4x4 vehicles that live in town, but they want to look macho. They want to look like they've been out in the hills in the mud and they've really done some rough things. And uh, so, literally, they have developed a mud that does not have anything in it that will scratch your vehicle. Uh, And you can literally go out and spray it on your vehicle, And it will look exactly like you have been out in the rough and you have been doing the macho thing, literally. And the sales are going well, they tell us. It's interesting that sales are also going well in artificial spirituality. In fact, sales are going very well in our day. It's interesting because we do live in a day in which majority of adults will say, I am spiritual, it is popular to be spiritual in our day to have this appearance of spirituality. Presidential candidates cannot survive without it. They have to have that spiritual thing about them that they they give you the feeling they know what they 're about, what they believe in, and so on. Athletes do the same thing. actors and actresses and and people in leading positions from professions it is very important it is it is it is um, it is it is a thing to be in our day and age to be spiritual. Now catch that. Be spiritual. Being spiritual is in. Isn't Oprah spiritual? We could say. And so many others out there. But what is the authority on spirituality? Is there a single book that people look to? Is there a single source? Is there a single person? A um, single authority? Where does this spirituality come from? What is telling them what the spirituality is all about? That is what has changed in our country. USA Today article that came out recently tells how important it is for parents this day and age to be spiritual. Parents want to be spiritual with their children or at least give the appearance of being spiritual or or those things are important. And so in this USA Today article here recently, a lady by the name of Emma Drullard shares how she runs a ceremony service. She will do weddings. She will do funerals. She will do baby dedication. She will bless your home. She will bless your pet. She will bless your business. And she's got a ceremony for just about anything you would want to do, be blessed in. So people come to her. And she she shared the story about a young couple came to her, and they wanted her to bless her baby daughter named Greer. That's a new name to me for a, a baby daughter, Greer. But they said to her specifically, we just wanted a larger spirit to guide our daughter. But we did not want a specific spirit. Because understand this, We want to get all the bases covered for our daughter because when she grows up, she is going to believe in angels and fairies and leprechauns and Santa Claus and so on. Our daughter will be spiritual, but it's a kind of a conglomeration of spirituality. The couple wants to be spiritual, but they want it to include everything. And what did Paul tell Timothy? He said to Timothy, The time will come... When men will not put up with sound doctrine, instead to suit their, their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. We had a party in my father's honor last Thursday evening. He turned 85 years old. And so we uh, reserved the back room at Ryan's there on North Rock and went to North Rock and and Ryan's and and celebrated 85 years for Dad. But have you eaten there? You know what it's like. You know they've got they've got this buffet and like Golden Corral and and I was there. And Ryan's has two salad bars basically. You've got one over here and then you've got one behind you. And here's how it works. You you start on the one side with your little salad plate or your big salad plate and you pick out what kind of lettuce you want. There's two or three different kinds of lettuce, and you put that on your plate. You go a little further, and you pick out whether you want bell peppers, banana peppers, jalapenos. Then you put some onions on, and you pick out the cheese you want, and you're putting it on your thing here. You pick out olives and and um, uh, garbanzo beans and peas and uh, all those kind of things, and then you're going on down the line, and you can put chicken chunks or ham chunks or... Whatever else you want on your your thing, you can put raisins or craisins, whatever you want. Uh, and I'm leaving out stuff: shredded carrots, you know, all those kind of things. And then you get to pick out the dressing you want, and there's seven or eight kind of dressings. And then you can put croutons on, or sunflower seeds, or bacon bits, or pick up a package of crackers. And then you're not done. Go to the other side because there's strawberries and bananas and and all those kind of things on the other salad bar. So that when you come through that salad bar, you've got the salad that you personally want. And if you were to stand there and watch as all the people came through those salad bars, you would find that everybody's salad would be different. No two salads would be the same. That is the point of modern spirituality we have come to the point where, well, we'll pick a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of that and we come up with what we tailor make for ourselves or that is what has happened. And uh, it is the same. You choose what you want. Make it suit you. Make it your palate, what is comfortable, and make it easy on yourself. It's really making God to be what we want God to be. What he wants is replaced with what I want. What he demands, what he commands, I pick and choose and come up with it on my own. Now, it's interesting. We're going through the daily study Bible. And I'll have to admit, folks, I'm a little bit behind. I'm a slow reader, and I want to really catch everything I'm getting. So I'm a few days behind, but i am kind of basically worked my way through all those regulations and rules and all that stuff that went along with the Old Testament. And I'm really appreciating all this now more than ever when I've read through all that part because it's starting to make a little more sense to me, um, all that stuff. And and some of those regulations were pretty stiff. God was pretty serious. And uh, much of it had to do with, though, the Israelite people staying true to God. Had to do with not mixing their values and their God and their religion with the views and the values and the morals and the religions of the world around them. That's what it was all about. And in many cases, God set up all these regulations and rules. When you see anybody in your community having anything to do with the values, the principles, the idols, the religion of those other nations, you are to take care of it immediately. Punish them, reprimand them, even in some cases, whatever they did was to be punished by death. And we think that was awful. And, but it, I'm beginning to understand it all. You know, don't mix with the Moabites, the Edomites, the Ammonites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, all those ites. Don't mix with them. They do not worship the Lord God. They have their own gods. They have idols. They offer their children in the fire, all those kinds of things. God says, don't marry them, don't mix with them, don't listen to their stories of how they worship their gods. Just stay away. And so God set all that stuff up. He was strict. And why was he so strict? Because he wanted their worship and allegiance alone. If He, gave, he knew if the people gave in to those kind of things... It would all change. And God is a jealous God, meaning, I love you. I will not give you to another. You have to be mine. And so God knew if they did, it would spread like a disease. And sure enough, the long and the short of the story is the Israelites did exactly as God did not want them to do. The people just, they just, they didn't reject God totally. But they took a little bit of God and a little bit of the Ammonites and a little bit of the Moabites, a little bit of the Edomites and all these things, and they came up with their own spirituality and they mixed it all together. And it is what we call syncretism, mixing God with the world. And it didn't work for the Israelites. Every time they did it, they got in trouble. Didn't go well for them. Every single time brought disaster. Disaster. And I think that we can accurately say as we look at our world today that syncretism is alive and well. It works like this. Take God's Word. You're not going to reject God's Word, but you're going to kind of pick. I like that story and the truth in that story. I like that command. And, yeah, that truth is pretty good. But then you're going to kind of either ignore or neglect or totally throw out some of the others because you just don't like them. Now I'm going to pick up a little bit of Oprah and a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of the other because it's popular to be spiritual. It's a thing to do to be spiritual in our day. And I'm going to come up with whatever I want. This is popular in our day and this is what is happening in our land, in our country In our midst today. And uh, really what is it doing? It's mixing with the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Edomites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites. And all the ites. And God has not changed has he? God is still a jealous God. And God says you still must be my people today. I for one really believe that we are living in the last days. There are lots of signs that point to that. But one that I find very interesting is Jesus said that, I will not return until the gospel has been preached to every country, every land. What has happened in the last 100 years? We've gone into the dark Africa. We've gone into the jungles of of South America where uh, cannibals lived. We've gone everywhere, haven't we? There are still maybe some places, and i 'm not sure how God technically means all of this, but it seems like we 've just very close to covering the entire world and the the gospel being preached to every land, so how much longer is it and other signs tell us that the that the end is close also, but Paul tells us in the end you 'll know it 's the end because these other things will come along, there will be terrible times in the last days, and paul describes to Timothy, here's what people will be like. And and they'll want to only hear what their itching ears want to hear. And they'll put together a spirituality that that they want. So, what must we do? I'm going to give you three things that we must do. Number one is, we must be in the Word. Jesus prayed for his disciples the night that he was betrayed before he was arrested. He was with them. He had the Last Supper with them. And and then they went out to the Mount of Olives and he had discourses with them. He was still teaching them. And that night he he was praying for them and he said, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And so he was praying, Father, if they will just stick to your truth, if they'll just stick to your word, they'll be mine. They'll be sanctified. They'll be set apart. They'll be mine. And God is telling us that too, that we must not devalue this message. It is all important. It is the book, right? God, If God so painstakingly over a course of, 3,500 years, whatever it was, from the first author to the last author, if he so painstakingly oversaw how it was all put together and finally put into print so that we can have it, it must be an important book. And we can't devalue it. And we have to uh, hold it special to us. You know, what's interesting, before communism fell in those Iron Curtain countries like Yugoslavia, and Romania, and Russia, Czechoslovakia, and Hungary, and those countries. It was illegal to have a Bible. You could not buy a Bible. You were supposed to not own a Bible. Uh, The same in China, because communism, atheism, they don't mix. They don't want the people having a Bible. So. When, when a group of Christians would get together and, and they would only have one Bible, then others would get that Bible and painstakingly in their homes at night, they would stay up all night and not sleep and get out pencil and paper and write that Bible word for word so that they could have a copy of the Bible. Why do that? Only for one reason. They knew they needed the word. They needed the Word of God. And it is the Word of God that keeps us from syncretism. It's the Word of God that keeps us from this dangerous spirituality that picks and picks and picks and doesn't let God be number one. So the Word is our protector. It's our guide. The psalmist said, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. And so God's Word has to be a part of our lives. Number two is take inventory. None other picture comes to my mind than the store. And I'm sure Steve's store leakers, I bet you guys are doing inventory all the time, four times a year. year. they got to know what they have, got to know what they need, and uh, otherwise they're not prepared for customers. They have no idea of tracking things, and... And so they're not prepared uh, if, if you don't do inventory. And so in a spiritual matter, to keep ourselves spiritually safe with God, we have to do inventory. What have I got? Where am I at? Where's my spirituality? What have I incorporated into my life that God might Be an idol of the Ammonites. Something that I'm loving, I'm putting my heart into, I'm putting my life into, I'm putting myself into, but God, it's really not your choice what you would put a high priority on. So it's taking inventory, and we must do that periodically, probably more than four times a year, more than a store, weekly, even daily. Here's the third thing we must do, and that is simply this, stay in love with God. I've never watched the movie Fever Pitch, but I've heard about it. And I guess it's a movie about a gentleman by the name of Ben Reitman. And Ben Reitman, I don't even know who the actor is, probably one of those funny comedian guys, but uh, he's totally crazy about the Boston Red Sox. You know, he's just nutso about him so that you know every game he can get to he goes to and and uh, he has all the memorabilia and all that stuff about uh, Boston Red Sox but he's a single guy and one year the season is over and in the off season when he's not so tied up in the Boston Red Sox he meets and falls in love with a young woman named Lindsay and i mean he just falls for her head over heels and and they've got this relationship going and And he just loves her, and she loves him in return because she's been enjoying this love and this adoration and all this stuff. Well, something interesting happens. Baseball season starts up again. And all of a sudden, Lindsay discovers, I don't think I know this man. He's changed. He's different. And the only time I see him, the only time he talks to me, the only time he even looks at me is if I go to a game with him. Other than that, I don't know what's happened. And finally, I guess, and I, maybe we need to watch this movie sometime. Finally, she comes to the point of breaking off a relationship with Ben. She just says, I, I, I can't live with this. I, I don't want a man that loves me part of the year and ignores me the rest of the year. And so she breaks up with him. Ben seeks out a friend to try to understand what is going on. I don't understand this woman. We were in love, and everything was going great, and I had baseball, and I love baseball, and now she's broke up with me. Here's what the friend did. He said to him, You love the Sox, but let me ask you a question. Have they ever loved you back? Ben began to realize, I've been putting my life and my energy and my money and my time and and my love into something that really never gives me anything back. Didn't love me in return. Lindsay did. But he wasn't putting anything into her. You know, God is the same way. God loved us first. And when we love God and make him what he should be in our lives, what does God do? He always loves us in return. When we put ourselves into something else, we shut God out. We cut off that flow of of love or that experience love, we should put it that way. And all of those idols that we've allowed ourselves to put ourselves into in life, not one of them gives you anything back in return saying, I love you. doesn't work that way. Do you know what the cure is for every need you feel in your heart? every Everything you would come upon in life, every ill, every need, everything that would come along, the cure for you is Jesus' love for you experiencing it every day. The love of Jesus that you experience when you commune with him will get you through anything in life. It will. Jesus gave his disciples an interesting command that night when he was talking with them, when he was arrested and crucified later. He said to them out at the Mount of Olives, as he was teaching, he said this to, Abide in me. What was he saying? He knew what was be coming up in their lives. He knew all of them, but one would, be, would also be a, a martyr, would die for their faith. He knew all the trials, all the tribulations, all the tough stuff they would go through. And it would be a lot. But he just said, abide in me. Live in my love. Don't give yourselves to anything else in life that can't love you back abide in me I'll love you back and you will get through anything that comes along see live daily in the love of Jesus and you will be okay but to live in the love of Jesus daily you must not be like the world around you as Timothy described the world will pick and choose for itself what seems this will accommodate me and this will accommodate me and I like a little bit of that, and I like a little bit of this, and, oh, I am spiritual. But there's only one spiritual source and person and authority and book, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Love Him. Make Him your all. Take inventory. Stay in the Word. Love Him, and everything will be okay. Let's bow our heads. As we pray. Lord Jesus, you are the very one that said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. It's my prayer this morning, Father, that, that I would stay away from a world that wants to teach syncretism and a spirituality that is way off base. But it is my prayer, Father, that I would stay in the Word and take inventory and stay in love with you and all will go well. And it is my prayer, Father, this morning for everyone here in this congregation, in this fold, in this pasture of sheep, Lord, that they would also do that very same thing. Lord, I pray right now that you would speak to our hearts and I pray that if there is something in our life that we need to readjust or we need to let go of or we need to redo or we need to confess to you that Lord, we would do it. And we would take care of anything that would keep us from a pure faith in you. Help us right now to align ourselves in a way that would be right. For, Lord, we know that you are the loving one. You are the all-powerful one. And whatever we give to you in, in that way, you will make right. And you will make us right. Do that right now, we pray. Amen.